0: From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals.
1: Welcome everyone to this edition of the Market Signals podcast. Uh, it is Tuesday, December sixth. Uh, my name is Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer at LPL Financial. Joining me is our Chief Economist, Jeffrey Roach. Jeff, how are you today?
2: Hey, doing well. Glad to be back on set with you.
1: Well, yeah, I, I appreciate it. You're um, you're a you you've been busy this year um certainly busy over the last you know few days in the market you know given uh the Powell speech last week given the non and non farm payrolls numbers uh on Friday we're going to get into a little bit about that always good to be with you Dr. Roach um before we do kind of dip our toe into some of what happened last week and, and some of the things that we or keying some of our conversations and our asset allocation committee meetings. Um, want to talk a little bit about what has happened over the last five trading days. Uh, you know, the market in, in general terms in US in the US has been, you know, buoyant. Um, most of this has come from the, the gains that we saw on Wednesday based on on Powell's speech at the Brookings Institute. Um, and other areas of the marketplace in terms of uh, non-U.S. markets, a little bit more problematic. Although um, some semblance of positive activity continues, happen in um, in Europe. So all it global equity markets have been you know mixed over the last five days. U.S. markets have been the the, the strongest area in general terms. Fixed income. Still, considerable amount of tailwind and fixed income as of the last, you know, several weeks or so. Um, you know that 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 markets begin to clean up, clean itself up now that we're seeing having additional levels of visibility into what Fed policy may in fact look like. Commodity markets still uh, pressured to the downside. You know, even though the dollar has kind of come off its highs. It would you would think it would add you know some semblance of sustainability to the commodity market, but we haven't really sustainably seen that yet. Um, and last week, um, Dr. Roach's it, it was two key elements to you know which is to our conversations as an asset allocation committee, which it seemingly in 2022 it's been all about. You know inflation and the Federal Reserve, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, uh, Fed Chair Powell certainly had you know some some good elements for the market to digest on on Wednesday, and then the non-farm payrolls uh, number on on Friday and the entire jobs report. You know, just quickly, your assessment on the Powell speech and 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 the the payrolls report.
2: Yeah, so good question. So I'll take those two bullet points together because I think uh, in conjunction, it paints a really interesting story. So uh, midweek, Powell spoke at the Brookings Institute, and I actually uh, went through and counted the word balance it actually shows up five times in his speech. And the reason why, of course, I have, uh, uh, you know, incentive to to count that word, because as you know, Mark, uh, today here, December 6th, we're actually Releasing our 2023 outlook, which uh, references finding balance, uh, because it's such an uh, interesting time when you think about labor markets. Hence, the second bullet point: think about uh, payrolls, but you think about labor, think about supply chains, think about housing. We'll actually talk about that in a little bit. So much of this can actually be brought back to, you know, the the age old supply and demand curves. And when they intersect, we're at equilibrium. The market is balancing out the the supply and the demand. And right now, in so many sectors of the economy, it's all about this balance and uh, an imbalance between those two components of supply and demand. So markets rallied off of Powell's speech because he was hinting at the fact that inflation truly is past peak and the fed can legitimately uh, slow down the pace of rate hikes and then two days later uh, the fed, uh, the markets were quite frustrated with this job market that seemed to be still very tight and somewhat hot in terms of a tight labor market Pushing up wages. So we'll talk more about that later on in the podcast today, Mark. But uh, those are the first two. And in essence, kind of a bull bear right there, back to back within 48 yeah. hours.
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting. You know Powell's commentary on on Wednesday and and the, basically uh, the admission that inflation is is past peak and and the Federal Reserve is now going to kind of gear down and it's tightening. Um, cycle which effectively are are two expectations that we've we've long talked about in our asset allocation committee and one of the reasons why we remained constructive on on risky asset prices equities in in general because we we thought the market just kind of had gotten it overdone in terms of the the fear around fed policy the fear around inflation when we've been talking about well Inflation is already starting to ebb, even though not too many people are really talking about it. And yes, the Federal Reserve is going to stop raising rates at some point. And we thought that was going to be a little bit less of a headwind, maybe more of a tailwind. Is that is that fair?
2: Yeah, that's right. In fact, uh, internally, we've we've talked about this. I've highlighted the industry data that shows that even the sticky components of inflation, such as rents, have declined. Uh, across the country so in, in aggregate three consecutive months as we sit here today in december we have three consecutive months of declines That's certainly adding to that narrative that we're we're past peak both in the goods component which has been more obvious and in fact in previous market signals mark i think you and know, i've talked about this but i've showed that graph where you know goods prices have just completely plummeted, and you had that services component naggingly elevated, well, we're finally at that point where we're starting to see that turnover as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and just to round out this slide for the audience, I mean, the China equities is kind of a, a, an interesting um, market, you know, over the last you know couple of weeks or so because we're getting that reopening expectation from from China. And uh, that's added a little bit of a tailwind to Chinese equities is a little bit of a tailwind in general terms to emerging markets, although that's probably a halting tailwind as far as we're concerned. I, I don't know that this is a sustainable trend for us in terms of our, our asset allocation work, meaning that um, we're, we're still underweight emerging markets, and while the, the reopening expectations out of China is, is certainly good news for that market and also for the global economy, um, I, I don't know that it's going to translate into our change of view in emerging markets. So, but we'll continue to you know, kind of keep an eye on that. Um, you know, ten-year Treasury yield down to three and a half percent last week, and seems to be bouncing off uh, off that point of uh, resistance. So we'll see how things transpire in that market. But a, you know kind of a key inflection point we're looking at in terms of the 10-year treasury. Uh looking ahead to this week's um you know numbers for economic data out of the US, turning to you Jeff on on uh, on the PMI numbers yesterday and any comments that you've got in terms of but what to look forward to this week in U.S economic data.
2: Yeah, so in terms of the uh, the PMI services we got that yesterday actually shared some of this with uh, with our colleagues as well as media um, outlets. So the, the story continues that prices paid is declining. I think the the big takeaway for me is the fact that export orders, new orders for you know international demand has really plummeted. Meaning that you know when you compare the domestic economy to the international economy, you definitely, on a risk-adjusted basis, you see, all right, a much lower risk domestically. Um, so you know, very low demand internationally. Uh, you saw that in the services component. You know, later on in the, in the week, I'm going to focus on the unit labor costs on Wednesday. You know, with the inflation story we just referenced in the previous slide about goods prices and services prices, rents prices, you know, the overall concern, the big picture is if if labor markets remain tight, wages have upward pressure that gets passed along to the firm with their labor cost being a, a larger percentage of of total costs, and so unit labor cost is really important. This is a quarterly number, so it it ends you know September, so you don't get October data in this figure. But I think it's helpful from just a trend perspective. I'll be watching that as well as its corresponding component productivity, right? So if you get labor costs at more you know more expensive, but it's if offset by just people being more productive, in essence, that's a pretty good trade off. So you need to really keep those things. Uh, together, uh, labor costs and productivity, and then of course uh, at the tail end of the week, you got another component of the pipeline of inflation. So PPI is producer prices, and uh, producer prices help us think about what you know what's happening in the pipeline before it gets to the consumer. You know what is the firm getting hit with in terms of input costs, and then of course uh, University of Michigan uh, thinking about uh, you know another component. Uh, that rounds out the conference board's data and so uh, i think you know overall this week's going to help us with the, with that overall theme that we're probably not in a recession right now here we are sitting beginning of december we got some november data but q4 is probably not going to be the first quarter of a decline or a contraction and so far we kind of have a nice soft landing so we get a lot of a, a good insights this week, and uh, it'll help us round out and continue uh, the theme that that I think is going to happen. And that is, you know, twenty twenty three is going to be a little more of an inflection point than twenty twenty two.
1: And since we've got the chief economist on set, let's let's take a look at the, this week of economic data outside of the U.S. What what's what's catching your eye here in terms of things to pay attention to?
2: yeah I think uh, look in the middle of the screen there you're you're seeing Japan data for GDP Japan is is worth watching now again when you think from an allocation standpoint an investment standpoint it's risk adjusted so you know you might see as you' you referenced earlier Mark about emerging markets looking more and more attractive but again that's relative to what we're seeing uh in the U.S if, if risk, Appetite increases across the globe. You probably want to still uh, think about uh, staying domestic focused. But Japan, here we are. This year, twenty twenty two, was a year that inflation actually rose above one percent. And in fact, as we sit here now, inflation is over not just two percent year on year, over three percent year on year in Japan. That's that's uh, historic. At least in the last uh, several years. And so I think Japan's interesting. Obviously, the yen was a challenge for the Bank of Japan to kind of work through and manage with currency interventions. But if you think about growth, this is for Q3 uh, on Wednesday, but the trajectory for Q4 growth particularly when uh, you start seeing household spending uh, look pretty decent and business investment look pretty decent. you know watch watch Japan J- Japan and and uh, Germany, China you know all these nations are you know in the top five uh, we tend to be U.S focused maybe we have that home country bias but I think it's really helpful to, to uh not just uh, focus on the US side but think about the internationals as well. So Japan, Japan's at an inflection point.
1: And and again, turning to you, Jeff, on on this economic data. And I know you've gotten a question from from media and other folks about what economic data is not falling off the table. Let's just let take US as an example. It's actually um maybe worrying 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 some um, worrisome uh, for the Federal Reserve um, in terms of the, um, it, you know, it's, it, it it's view on, in, you know, inflation pressures, et cetera. Um, and, but so, so, so talk to us a little bit about this soft landing concept and I don't know that we're bought, bought into that, but um, it has been a point of conversation. Um, and then obviously are you, you mentioned inflation expectations are ebbing and, and we will get the PPI numbers, and then University of Michigan inflation expectations are also also supposed to kind of ebb a little bit, which is perhaps comforting. What What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think we can really take this whole slide in in one fell swoop and just take a step back, remind ourselves that the whole conversation about a soft landing just means that when you're you're coming out of a very hot part of the economic cycle. The Fed comes in and tightens financial conditions, kind of tightens up access to credit. So both consumer spending and business spending kind of pull back. This quote unquote soft landing is basically just a shorthand for us to say, hey, is it possible the soft landing in that ideal world is the economy cools, aggregate demand cools, and in essence kind of pulls back inflation without necessarily pushing an economy over the brink into recession. That's a soft landing. Soft-ish, as coined by Chairman Powell, uh, soft-ish is just saying, hey, well, maybe there's a little bit of time where we're we're actually contracting as an economy, but it's soft-ish because it's not a hard landing, something breaking, an economy falling into recession. So, Going back to the original question mark, as you're posing looking at the data? We think, well, look, soft ish. Maybe we're not in. You know, we're we're not kind of poised for that recession. I think you you take it in the in the big picture and say, correct. So far, we're we're slowly decelerating, coming off a very hot, kind of reopening, loose, easy money, crazy hot residential housing market. Coming down to you know to a more uh, sustainable growth path. Now all of that it kind of ignores the housing market altogether because because the housing market is it's fair to say that's in recession, meaning it's it's coming back uh, off of you know bubble like levels. But in aggregate, as an economy, the economy is so far it looks like a softish landing. We're basically just saying. The risks are rising for a 2023 event where consumers really have to pull back on spending. They don't have real wages, and they and they have to tap into credit and take some of their savings off the table uh, and and bring it to you know support their their spending habits. So so far, you're right. The data does suggest we're we're coming down in a softish uh, path. And, and uh things look good I think it's just going to change a little bit here as we go into the new year
1: yeah and and um another aspect of what we clearly pay attention to is the is the is the dollars level and and there it the dollar has rolled over although it's bouncing against some support at 105 the dollar index so something to keep an eye on not only for for U.S investors but also for investors who have allocations uh, in in emerging markets, so we'll see where where the dollar goes, where where if, if it bounces off that support, or in fact, you know, breaks through. Um, some interesting concepts that you want to cover, Doctor Roach, in terms of the jobs report, housing market balance. Um, so I, I'm just going to you know, kind of turn microphone over to you about um, you know, just your, your quick assessment of where we are in terms of. Some economic key points to pay attention to,
2: yeah, great, great mark and and part of the the point I think in this podcast is we show not just us uh, talking our our talking heads, but we're showing graphs because if if you know listeners want to dive into a little bit more, they have the source data right there, they have the you know the kind of the t- key takeaways from us and they can go a little bit deeper if they want to. So in this case, and for this podcast, let me just give you just some high level takeaways, summary points uh, for each of these. But I do have a couple of graphs that kind of give us a a well-rounded view on labor market, and then I'll touch on the housing market um, after that. So in this sense, I think it's fair to say that firms, particularly small businesses, are finding a little more ease in in getting their labor demand and their mix of labor and capital with the overall environment getting that mix right. Uh you think about the oil and gas mix in our uh, lawn equipment here, right? So here here's kind of that mix. You think we've we've turned over uh from very high levels from those periods say a few months ago when firms were saying one of their most biggest concerns was finding qualified workers. That was that was amazingly high in the last uh, few months that has turned over and so you can see in the graph here there's a a little bit of that loosening still very tight but a little bit of that loosening that we're seeing uh so i wanted to just put that in front of our readership uh go to the next slide and really it's in conjunction with this you know you think about where we are in the labor market and in essence I think my my bullet point kind of takeaway here is the labor market is still playing catch up with with pre to post covid. or you could say that firms are trying to you know, get back to more normal levels of employment. So you think about you know a trend as we're we're looking for that that efficient ratio of employment to population right? How many people should be working? But in some ways, we want a little bit of slack in the labor market. So people have the ability to kind of say, hey, this is not my highest and best use. I'll go over here. Or maybe I want to change careers. So there's this idea among, really among uh, investors and market watchers, that there is this non-accelerating inflation rate of of unemployment. Uh, and, and we want to have... A, a little bit of that in the economy to create the slack. Right now, we're not because we're still playing catch-up. And here's the point here. Total employment, based on trend and population growth, we're still about 4 million away from pre-pandemic trend. So yes, we've recovered a lot of the jobs. In some sectors, we've not recovered uh, probably, I think it's about roughly 900,000. So it's just shy of a million Leisure and hospitality jobs have yet to be recovered. I uh, highlighted that actually after last Friday's report. So we're still four million away from trend. That's going to keep the labor market a little bit tight, even if we fall into recession next year. Even as the Fed kind of pulls back uh, the uh, you know access to credit and, and tightens financial conditions even farther. So there we are. Next slide. And that and that goes to what we talked about just a couple minutes ago, Mark. You're asking me, you look if you look at all the economic data, things still look like we're in this softish landing. And uh, in fact, I I shared this with you and our our colleagues internally just uh, yesterday, and I said, you know, when you think about how the labor market has slowed, it hasn't been a dramatic, you know, slowing where people are going from hiring to firing. We're just going from really fast rates of hiring to slower and slower and slower rates of hiring and that's what this graph shows you so you know month-to-month changes in jobs that's your column uh, the two line graphs are just smoothing out a little bit three-month average six-month average there on the orange line and you couldn't ask for a better softer goldilocks scenario Uh, And that's and I think that illustrates, Mark, what you were just asking just just a few moments ago that illustrates a pretty decent slowdown. Now, one of the things that I've had, you know, people question me, so, okay, well, you know, is this good news? Is this bad news? I said, well, one of the key takeaways is some aspects of the job market take some time to actually um, illustrate what's happening in the real economy. So in the past several cycles, when housing slows it's a good three to five months before construction jobs actually dry up. So I think it's fair to say, you know, we, we have some more softening. I think it's it's fair to say, you know, we'll be below, you know, 100,000 jobs month on month on average uh, after, you know, construction jobs start slowing down. But what's keeping this up is, is the catch up, uh, as I referenced in the previous slide. You still got a million jobs in leisure hospitality roughly uh yet to be brought in so there you are go ahead yeah mark i'm mean, just
1: gonna i was just gonna say i mean you you, you contrast this you know kind of goldilocks ish or softish um landing that's that we've seen so far you contrast that with you know some of the expectations that were built into market prices over the last you call it six months or so where people were expecting to see something you know the fed break something right um, and then, so consequently, there's a lot of pes- pessimism built up in in September, pessimism built up in you know in May, May and June, um, and then but we we really haven't seen that yet, which is which is interesting. And one of the reasons why um, we we've gotten a little bit of a market reprieve in terms of equities most most re- recently, is that fair?
2: Yeah, I think so because I think it really depends on who you ask when you think about the optimism or pessimism of the economy because we do have the tale of two economies as i've uh, said recently in a in a, a piece where i was writing so you know, if you ask someone that's you know household income in the upper level what they're going to be a lot more optimistic than those in the, the the lower incomes and that's because inflation impacts the lower income households much harder much deeper, so it's the tale of two economies. It's it's the upper incomes, it's the lower incomes, and they're going to feel very, very different. Um, but but you're right. In the aggregate, we're not seeing a, a dramatic sell-off. Here's here's something I wanted to highlight in terms of some. Uh, labor market tightness. Uh, you know, I referenced this before, but the job openings and labor turnover support survey, the JOLTS report, was really kind of a boring report until Chairman Powell brought it up, uh, several months ago. Uh, but what what this gives us is it gives us a um insight into labor market churn. I like to use that phrase, it's kind of this churn. Okay, people, you know, coming and going, quitting here, going over here. The churning is what's really helpful because it helps us understand, you know, what what the economy is feeling. So the uh, the dark blue line is that openings to unemployed. That's the ratio that's been showing up in just about every press conference, and that's turned over, meaning it's there's a little less. Uh, less pressure, Powell started talking about that when it was two to one, two openings for every unemployed person. I actually reference it in our 2023 outlook that just is released, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, And that's that's turned over. I think quits rates is turned over, meaning the churning is starting to slow a little bit. Now, is it higher than pre-pandemic levels? Absolutely. You know, that's why I want to show this graph going back you know, several years. It's still much higher than pre-pandemic levels, but it's the direction. I think, Mark, you like to talk about this—that directional change. You said that in a couple of market signals and and uh, different street views and and things like that. I think that's a great reminder. So when people look at what we're saying and look at our graphs here that we're sharing in the broader context, why is the market responding like it is? What's well, the directional change that matters? You want to go to the next slide. This this slides into uh, the housing market, and that is, you know, people have been asking me this, you know, for months now, and and just really helpful to think about how different the housing market is, the mortgage market is now relative to you know a decade ago, and and you know those those several years back when you know anyone was getting a mortgage nobody you know you could you didn't even have to put any money down you were, you're you're putting zero down and interest only kind of loans that's much riskier than what we're seeing in this current environment nonetheless look at how high median prices are yes they've come back but they're still much higher than pre-pandemic you think about just look at that uh, gray column, gray shaded areas, that's just the recession. You saw the the little COVID recession there in March, April, May of 2020. And then comparing it with the great financial crisis, that's your other gray, much wider shaded area. And you look at median prices have to come down a little bit more, but it's possible to say, look, they really can't come down dramatically because supply is still so low. And that's the dark blue line. Month Supply just says, okay, given the sales rate, how fast can inventory be depleted? And roughly three months time with the current sales rate, we we go through all our inventory. Meaning, this is existing home sales, by the way. New home sales has a little higher uh, supply. But either way, when you think about the demographics of Gen Z and millennials, you think, all right, you can you combine that with the fact that builders have just been underbuilding for you know a decade, and that's really crimping supply. So again, going back to our finding balance concept, uh, you know, housing does have a, a little more to go in terms of trying to find that balance between uh, the demand and supply. Certainly, mortgage rates and and the elevated levels of borrowing costs have uh, have pulled pulled and slowed down. The, the rate of housing activity
1: so um on balance Dr Roach, I mean as as investors are checking their personal asset allocation and asking themselves um fundamentally what is that what is that resting on at this at this point in time in terms of the the current state of economics um how how would you how would you make that a, a, a assessment I think um I think we've touched on some of the softish landing aspects of of what it appears to be going on, at least so far, and we we reserve to change our forecast at any point. But um, uh, just for for the audience, I mean, in, in summary, how would you how would you characterize the current backdrop of, of U.S. economic condition?
2: Yeah, that's great. I think a reminder of just the tale of two economies. It's the upper income lower income very different feel very different outlook very different spending patterns but in sum we know that the domestic economy is largely supported by upper income households hence there's been a lot of savings that that cohort had to support spending in the face of very very high prices you know food energy uh, healthcare you know, a number of those services, uh, you know, airline prices, uh, you know, some goods, of course, have, have fallen, as we've talked about on earlier slides. But on balance, the economy has been able to kind of withstand these immense headwinds from high inflation because of a fairly decent stock of savings. And as inflation is starting to ease, that's going to help in essence, uh, allow us to not have uh, the a likely scenario of replaying that great financial crisis. So we don't expect um, the the you know the two thousand eight two thousand nine kind of scenario where something in the funding and credit markets breaks, and so that impacts the economy in a much greater fashion. We're expecting the economy to contract the first of next year, uh, but at this point, you know, as so far. The data looks like the economy is is going down to that you know that softish landing. We just think that uh, that there might be a chance of you know sticking that landing by the time we roll into Q1 next year.
1: Okay, um, well said, Doctor Roach, as, as always. Uh, I thank you for your time today and and the uh, the uh, opportunity to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the economy. I, I very much appreciated. Uh, Folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Market Signals uh, podcast. It's it's good to be with you, as always. Um, Check in with us next week. Meanwhile, uh, enjoy the rest of the week.
0: This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets asset classes and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer,